rolling along with you on your workday routine. It's the Morning Tailgate with Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor, and Lindsey Brown on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Thank you so much for being with us here in the second hour. It's the gate. Lindsey Brown, Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker here with you. Vinny is live in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine, and he's here with us today. We'll get a lot more information. He just got a chance to talk with Byron Murphy, as well as we'll go over the Tom Telesco sound here in the second hour. And we have tickets to give away. Nitro Cross over at Planet Hollywood, the Rugby Nationals over at Legion Stadium, and your chance to win $2,024 by texting the word REBELS to 702-365-9200. Eddie Borsilli is here with us. Station director on Sirius XM Radio, Channel 156, Fight Nation, and for many, many years, the executive producer of Sirius XM NFL. Eddie, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, guys. Happy Wednesday. Happy Combine Wednesday. I'm a little jealous. I'm not out in Indianapolis visiting all the uh, delicious food places out there, but it's, uh, it's Combine Week. It's a busy week. A lot of stories going on. Yeah, absolutely, Eddie. And I heard on Good Morning Football this morning from Peter Schrager that the bench press test is now going to be taking place at the end of the workouts instead of before. That type of change, uh, what, what what kind of implications would you expect, or is it just not that big of a deal? I, I think, I, I, first of all, I think I have PTSD from the bench press because our, our broadcast uh, facility, no, state, set up for Sirius XM NFL Radio was always right behind the curtain for the bench press, so a lot of oh, lot of groaning, cool. a lot of grunting, a lot of loud noises coming from uh, oh. the, set, the set right before us the bench press. But I, I don't know, guys. I, I, I get the sense this year. I think for the guys, um, you know, the bench press is is always a mark, and you always have the staples of the combine, the forty, you know, the short mm-hmm. shuttle, the bench press, and all these marks, and people go to the oohs and ahs and things like that. I don't think it's really it makes a difference before or after for these guys, and maybe for them it's better to kind of close out and stuff and get different things out of the way. But, you know, uh, guys aren't being drafted because they can put up 35 instead of 31 and things like that. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that these drills aren't uh, relevant in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, the bench press is more of a, you know, a TV event now for, for guys to go out there and, and use that massive strength to, to, to show you what they are. And the biggest thing for me from the bench press was always – the you know the defensive linemen or the bigger guys that you assume that are you know these guys that can put up a ton of weight and they go out there and they don't and you're like oh does that mean there's a red flag you know combine week there's just a lot of those things out there the the timing for me is probably better suited for the for the players and for the guys out there to get to get more done and maybe it's better for their their bodies as well so don't put a lot of stock into that there's so much going on combine week those guys are up super early right. interviewing doing all those things all week it's it's a, it's a long week for those guys Eddie, um, there's a little bit of smoke. I wouldn't call it a fire yet, but a little bit of smoke um, uh, around the Raiders and one Justin Fields from the Chicago Bears. And, um, you know, look, the Raiders need a quarterback. Uh, I think that's pretty obvious. But getting access to one of the top guys, uh, whether you're talking about Jaden Daniels or Caleb Williams or or Drake May, might be impossible, even maybe for uh, J.J. McCarthy. You have to find a team to trade with. And if that gets cut off to them, they're going to have to pivot uh, to a different plan, and maybe that plan is Justin Fields. And I want to throw that out to you uh, about the possibility, um, you know, in a in a pivot situation, if the Raiders turn to Justin Fields, what your thoughts about that would be? Yeah, Vinny, on the surface, it, it really doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, you know, if, if you were going to tell me that Cliff Kingsbury or anybody else was the Raiders' new offensive coordinator, I'd say, okay, maybe. You know, Justin Fields is obviously a really talented football player. Um, he's had problems with turnovers. Um, he's had problems um, in, in other assets. In the football game, he, he's, a, he's a player that gets sacked many 
once almost every eight to nine dropbacks in his actual, and that's not all on him. I understand that, but with the Raiders going out there and getting Luke Getze, to me, um, you know, it didn't work out in Chicago. If it did, both of those players, you know, Justin would be the starting quarterback. Getze would still be there. I have a hard time thinking that, you know, Luke Getze would come in here and the brass, you know, Tom Telesco and AP and those guys would say, okay, let's bring a, let's bring Justin back and let's run this back. You know, it was it was everybody else's fault and it wasn't. You know, you guys working together. So on the surface, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And you, you're going to give up. You know, I, I do think, guys, just as a general statement, everybody keeps floating out there, the second-round pick. I think the compensation for a guy like Justin Fields is going to be more like a three that possibly turns into a two and something else. I think the compensation is not going to be what people think. But I, I, I just don't think it's a fit. Now, if you completely strike out, and I think, Vinny, to answer the question that you originally said, I think this is, this is going to be a trade that happens pretty quick here. I, I, all the smoke about the Bears trading for they're not going to trade the first pick. They're going to pick Caleb Williams. They're not going to, you know, sacrifice a generational player like that. Uh, if Justin Fields maybe showing a little bit more, maybe the conversation would be a little bit, you know, more difficult. But uh, again, I think Justin Fields is a, a a good football player. I think he's got a high ceiling. He still has a lot to work on. I just I just don't think the fit between him and the Raiders is a smart one. He's coming into an option year. You're going to have to, if, if you do acquire him, you're going to have to talk about long-term contract. Are you yep. going to sit here today and say that you're comfortable giving Justin Fields $22, $25, 30000000 million? I don't know if you're in that boat unless he explodes off the page. So I, I know it's a kind of sexy option because he's such a young uh, football player. He's shown the big playability. He's exactly what you know, the opposite of what the Raiders had and, and someone that could move around the pocket and make plays with his feet. And you're going to say, we're going to pair him with these guys. I just, to me, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense uh, for, for the Raiders to go after a guy like Justin Fields. To me, the most logical option, whether you can get those top three guys or not, is to go the rookie route um, and, and get a, a young player on a five-year contract, you know, preferably in the first round, and go from there at the quarterback position. What if I was to uh, to propose that maybe Luke Getze and Justin Fields understood it wasn't a Luke Getze problem, it wasn't a Justin Fields problem, it was kind of a infrastructure problem uh, around both of them uh, in Chicago and that it was starting to work and then there was an injury and that got derailed a little bit. Uh, but they feel like with the Raiders, uh, with a better talent around him and you know an offensive line, they're obviously going to have to tinker with the offensive line. But that, that maybe they feel like, no, it wasn't us. It was what was around us. We feel like this can work. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. But I honestly think, from my perspective and, and watching, I, I'd be nervous about you know putting the investment in a guy like Justin Fields. Like I said, he's a player that, again, on on the, on paper, you're like, okay, he's, he's young. He makes all these plays. But you know the sacks, and I, you can say that the offensive line was poor in Chicago. Infrastructure, I, I understand that. But... Um, sometimes, you know, the player, if he's that good, can kind of rise above it. The turnovers are really worrisome. He's got a ton of turnovers in his early career in the National Football League, and he gets sacked left for a guy that has that great of an escapability and, you know, willingness to run out of the pocket with his legs. He gets sacked at an alarming rate. And, again, this uh, it may have to do with the support system, but I just don't know if Justin Fields in any system – um, is the player that people think he's going to be or ever will reach that thing. I, I think he's young enough that teams are going to definitely trade for him and be willing to take that, especially if you can't get up. Like to your point before, you can't get up into those picks. Maybe you can't get into the top ten. Maybe you don't want to get into the top ten and give away those assets. He's, a, he's an option that you have to you know, qualify and quantify, but there's nobody better 
to answer those questions than Luke Getze. So if maybe he came in and said, you know, let's let's be honest here, if he came in and said, guys, you know, we need to go get this player, these are the options, maybe they could change their tune and say, okay, let's let's focus on Justin Fields. But I just don't know if, if the juice is worth the squeeze. I honestly don't. I don't know if Justin Fields is ever going to evolve into that, you know, dynamic player that's going to be able to put a team on his back. He might be able to guy that has some electric plays and does some wild things from time to time, but some of the other traits really, really scare me. And it, he's, it hasn't been a, a year or two. It's been a kind of a larger sample size. So there's definitely those things. I, I'm glad I'm not in that position to have to make those decisions because you're going to tie yourself to a guy like him. You're, you're either going to sink or swim with a guy like Justin Fields that could end up costing you your job. Eddie Borsilli here with us on the morning tailgate. And the Raiders are kind of in that spot. What if they are not able to go and trade up to find the kind of quarterback they want in the draft? Then they may have to look at certain free agents. And for nearly two decades as executive producer of Sirius XM NFL, you know how the combine is littered with agents and teams with pending free agents, not unlike a guy like Kirk Cousins. What did you think of him uh, on Instagram kind of showing off the footwork to let everybody know that he's ahead of schedule from his rehab? Kirk Cousins is, you got to give him, if, if anything else, I know he people ridicule him for the playoff lack of success and big games and all that stuff. Kirk Cousins is a terrific businessman. He is a, a, an elite <laughs> <That's true>. business, <laughs> businessman. That guy has obviously got the guaranteed money. He plays, you know, really well in certain in certain things, but he, he knows how to handle the business side and get his. I think Kirk Cousins is a player that, you know, bet on himself. Think about this, guys, and I was thinking about this the other day. You know, the, the Washington Redskins at the time, you know, picking RG3 and picking Kirk Cousins in the right. same draft. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's incredible to think about, you know, the kind of foresight, or maybe not even the foresight, you know, you're picking the best player on the board. If Kirk Cousins was there, just because we took a guy like RG3, let's still take the best player on the board. You can never have enough right. good players. And it ended up working out for them. It ended up working out for Kirk Cousins. So I think it's smart on his part. You know, I think Kirk knows his value. I think he knows he's the best, probably free agent quarterback on the market and he's going to get another multi-year deal worth guaranteed money now i don't think the raiders are a team that would be in that boat i don't think okay. cousins is, is is the answer for this football team like i said i think you know i would lean more towards uh, even if it's not a first round quarterback uh, a, a younger player at that position that you could work with Aiden o'connell that maybe bring in a veteran or something like that that's not going to cost you a lot of money kirk cousins is going to cost upwards of 30 to 35 million dollars he knows He's gotten it before from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, if I if I was a betting man, I think he would, you know, return to Minnesota and try to finish someone finish business there and see what happens there. But you know, money talks. But you know, the combine you mentioned it before. The combine is just you know, people get the the narrative in their head that the combine is all about the draft. Yes, it's all about the draft. But free agency is is first, guys. Free agency starts in a couple weeks. There's players getting cut all over the place. There's roster decisions that have to be made. You have to get your team in line for free agency and all that stuff before you can even start thinking about yep. the NFL draft. So, you know, everyone likes to, to say, hey, the combine, it's the start of the draft, you know, thing, and you're, you're interviewing players, you're getting all that kind of stuff, that along with the senior bowl. You have to get your, your, your team in order first. You've got to get your team under the salary cap. You've got to do all these things and then supplement in free agency. So that's to, 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 the stuff at the combine with the agents and the meetings and all that stuff. A lot of that is potential trades. It's free agents. It's, you know, signings, this and that, before we could even get to the draft stuff. It's, it's, it's a really incredible week. There's, there's so, again, there's so much that goes on that week. 
there's so many conversations and there's just a lot of business going on that week. Talking to Eddie Borsilli from Sirius XM, and we're going to stay at least with my question in Minnesota. And I know that some people will probably get annoyed with how often we will be talking about Minnesota over the next couple of weeks. But I, I share the the thought with Vinny where they're going to be one of the biggest competitors for the Raiders in the draft and free agency. And honestly, if Kirk Cousins is going to cost around that number, I hope the Vikings say no because at some point they have to go and get a quarterback, and that could be this year. And so one of the things that I think is in play or potentially could be in play because it's almost impossible to trade into the top three. So maybe top five is more doable. If you were the Vikings, would you trade Justin Jefferson for the ability to get into the top five of this year's draft? I personally would not. Um, I personally would not because, again, to me, if you're not trading, I'm a big fan of Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams is going to be – a really, really good to great quarterback in the National Football League. So if that's your answer to the question, if it takes Justin Jefferson to get you to number one to get Caleb Williams, then you have to think about it. Then you have to say, okay, these are the options. I know the Bears went from nine to one last year. They had to give up D.J. Moore, a couple first-round picks. If, If that's what it takes for you to get up there, but you have to believe in your heart of hearts that Caleb Williams is going to be close to, if not on the level of the Mahomes and guys like that, because you're mortgaging and you're giving away a top, you know, five to ten player in the National Football League, leveraging that to go up and get someone that's going to change your franchise. You're not going up there to position yourself in the top five to potentially get, you know, maybe the third or fourth quarterback up there. You're going up there to get, you know, the, the big kahuna that you think is going to change your franchise, get you deep into the playoffs, and possibly win a Super Bowl. So I wouldn't entertain those you know, things to get into the top five, top three. I'm only entertaining that conversation if it gets me to one huh. to pick that player to change my franchise. Otherwise, it's really not worth it. Justin Jefferson is in a, uh, an amazing talent. He's young. You're obviously going to have to give him a lot of money, and you're going to have to address the quarterback position. But Kirk Cousins only costs you dollars and cents. It only means that you have to adjust your cap and get him under the cap and pay him some guaranteed money and try to roll the dice with him. If you, you know, get into the trade market, you're trading away assets, you're doing all those different things, you know, and trying to mortgage in your future. So for me, for I wouldn't entertain the idea unless it guaranteed me a shot to draft a player like Caleb Williams. Yeah, if I'm ju- trading Justin Jefferson, the last three names, the, the, the uh, last names of the players that I'm looking at are May, Williams, uh, and probably Daniels. Uh, so, uh, and I count three right there. So, getting into the top five, while that would be alluring in most tr- in most drafts, uh, not not this one. Uh, and that's really a, a, a testament, um, Eddie, to how good Justin Jefferson is. You're not going to just give him away for for anything less to me than a franchise caliber quarterback. I think it's the same conversation with D.J. Moore last year. D.J. Moore, uh, maybe he's not on the level of, of Justin Jefferson, but he's a really good NFL receiver. And, the Bear, and you know, the Panthers had to do that to, to go up there to, to think that they're going to secure a guy like Bryce Young. You're, you have to make those, you know, decisions to jump that high. Say the Raiders are, you know, are locked in on Caleb Williams. You know, if we go to 13-1, yeah, it's going to cost you. The draft picks are known. You're gonna, you know you're going to have to give up. Multiple ones, maybe three ones. You're going to have to give up twos. You're going to have to give up the draft capital. But, you know, if I'm the Chicago Bears and I have the opportunity, you know, to, to pick a player like this, I am going to need something. I'm going to need a deal that is that is franchise-altering. Last year, they were, you know, in my opinion, extremely smart. They got out. They got the extra picks. They got a, an elite wide receiver. And, you know, they didn't have to draft a quarterback then. 
And now they're sitting again. You know, I know they had to go through the season and be, you know, bad enough. The Panthers had to be bad enough to get them the record. But now they're sitting up there with even more leverage. So for them, or any team, you know, the Washington Commanders at two. I think the, the, the logical spot for me, guys, is three. And I know people keep bringing up three. Is if you're the New England Patriots and it's post-Bill Belichick and it's a new era. Yeah, it would be nice to say, let's get a new quarterback in there. And a new regime, you know, under a new regime, and kind of go onward. But you know, that team needs a lot of work, guys. And I guess all those teams up there need a lot of work. But if you're going to be at three, and you're not going to get Williams, and you're not going to most likely get May, then maybe it's a, a spot that you could, you know, possibly the teams could possibly trade into to get you know a player like Jaden Daniels. But draft's the ultimate crapshoot. I say it all the time. There's a possibility Commanders pick Jaden Daniels at two, and then the whole draft is upside down. So. You know, there's a there's a lot to get into it, but if if you target a player, you know, you're going to have to be comfortable enough to go up there and not only trade draft picks, but trade players and good players to great players on your football team. Great stuff. Eddie Borsilli here with us, Channel 156, Fight Nation, Sirius XM Radio. Thank you again, Eddie, for your time. Let's do it again next Wednesday. Sounds good, guys. Have a great Thank week. You. Appreciate your time. At Borsilli on X. And, Vinny, it's an interesting question when you bring up, a, like, a guy like Justin Fields uh, because sometimes you, you go into those realms of, like, all right, do I want the – uh, the the prospect that I don't know versus a player that I do know very well, and some of the the problems that kind of like uh you know kind of like define Justin Fields' career, it makes you wonder like how much it is it on all on him or is it the system and schemes that he ran? Uh, how do you think this will all make out? Because as Eddie was thinking, he feels like a deal could get done pretty quickly instead of near draft day. Yeah, no, no, they're gonna trade if 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 they're gonna trade him, that's it's probably gonna happen. I would imagine sometime next week or or, or the week after. Uh, they want to get. You know this this taken care of, so they can you know fo- solely focus on on you know the draft and and obviously replacing uh, Justin Fields. And I don't know um, how it's it's going to play out. And, and quite frankly, uh, it's a little bit of a surprise to me some of what I'm uh, hearing. And I'm not like I said, there's there's a little bit of smoke. I'm not saying that there's a fire, uh, but but yesterday Q and I on on, on Q's show we're trying to figure out okay if there is some substance to that smoke. Uh, then obviously that means the Raiders have some interest. And why would they have some interest based on what we just talked about uh, with Eddie, the fact that it didn't work out with Luke Getze and, and, uh, and, and Justin Fields? And if, it, if, if there is smoke, then that means that obviously both of those guys are going to have to sign off on it to some extent, right? I mean, you're not going to make that move in just, unless Justin feels comfortable um, you know, having a reunion with, with Luke Getze and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so while it might be a surprise on the surface, if there is smoke and if they are willing to work with, the, with, with each other, you're going to have to ask yourself, well, why would that be based on what actually happened? Uh, and, and some of the, the points that, that Q and I were talking about yesterday was that, you know, when you, when you look at it, it was starting to head in the right direction. And then, you know, there was an injury <clears throat> and that kind of derailed it uh, a, a little bit. But when you also look at, what Justin Fields and, quite frankly, Luke Getze had to work with uh, in Chicago. I mean, they're, when you talk about their, their offensive weapons, you know, besides the wide receiver that they got from Carolina more, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to, to really name any of, their, any of their, you know, Cole Komet is a nice tight end. Is he one of the better tight ends in the league? No. Um, but it's, it, you'd be hard-pressed to, to be able to name some dynamic offensive players, whether you're talking about offensive linemen, running backs, 
um, their, their, their core of wide receivers. So maybe Luke and maybe Justin, uh, if this is headed in that kind of a direction, um, maybe they surmise, like, I liked working with you. I believed in what you were trying to do and, and vice versa. Uh, this was more of a situation of circumstance uh, than any of that. And maybe that's why they'd be willing to work uh, again with each other. And that's just on the uh, um, you know presumption that they would. It may not be. We don't know that uh, one way or another. We, we're not quite sure you know, uh, what their feelings are uh, on the subject. But usually where there's smoke, there's, there's fire. And, and so we'll see what, where, where this all goes. Vinny is live in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine, uh, getting the news and notes and updates here on Raider Nation Radio. And we'll step aside. We'll come back with some thoughts that Vinny uh, had a, a scrum and some conversation with uh, the very uh, popular uh, Texas defensive tackle, uh, Byron Murphy. And it's interesting to see what that holds on to because he is somebody that could be considered the top defender in the draft and somebody that might be available for the Raiders at 13. We'll get into all that on the other side. Vinny, a word from Dos Caras. Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, it is it is combine time, and you get to get home and kick back and, and watch the workouts, which actually begin uh, tomorrow out on the field over at Lucas Field. And what better way to do it than with those, some Dos Caras tequila? And if you're in Las Vegas, just go check it out at, at Total Wines. They've got all the selections of Dos Caras tequila uh, at Total Wine. And then also, if you want to go out and about, um, we always talk about Senior Frogs over at the Treasure Island Hotel. Two for one daily specials of Dos Caras products. And if you're not in Las Vegas, or in the Nevada area, uh, don't worry about it. You can always go online to Dos Cotas Spirits and order whatever uh, Dos Cotas product is your favorite and get it shipped right to your house uh, free, uh, nice and easy at doscotaspirits.com. You know, there's not always a lot of carryover from one year to the next. We think there is, if there's not, but there's certain things that are our, and the culture you built is part of that, and that toughness is part of that, which Antonio has already kind of instilled in the football team. So that we can really build on moving forward. I've got, I've got everybody here today. Look at this. Um, but, yeah, that's something we can't build on. But, yeah, that's something we're, we're looking for anyway. Like this, this is a tough league. you got to have that, that element no matter what. Thanks for being with us here on Raider Nation Radio. Keep listening because around uh, 842 we'll give another pair away for Nitro Cross over at Planet Hollywood for the Friday races here on Nitro Raider Nation Radio. Cross. Nitro Cross inside the Nitro Dome on the Strip. PH. Vinny Bonsignor live in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. As we come back with Tom Telesco talking about the toughness in the NFL, we uh, uh, just a couple thoughts. You were able to break away to get a chance to talk to, you know, perhaps one of the best defenders uh, considered right now in the NFL draft is Byron Murphy, the second from Texas. And this is somebody, you know, 6'1", 308, but he also kind of fills a certain need for the Raiders as they continue to look to bolster the defensive line with playmakers and some speed and power guys that could probably, you know, really start to work in in conjunction with Tyree and Max and Malcolm Kuntz. Yeah, and I talked to Byron about how Aaron Donald, when you look at Aaron Donald, I mean, I feel like I'm taller than Aaron Donald. Um, and, and so, you know, not the biggest guys in the world, right? Uh, but but they're so strong, they're so quick, they're so fast, they're so smart. Um, you know, they, they use leverage, they use their weight well, uh, and they're able to make themselves, and Aaron Donald obviously is on his way to the Hall of Fame. He's been the best defensive player in the league for the better part of his career. Um they're still able to get it done at that size and you know talking to Byron Murphy about using Aaron Donald because they're almost built identically using Aaron Donald uh, as as a as a role model because sometimes you know when you're a kid and I know talking to Aaron when he looked at himself 
you know, in high school, he wasn't the highest recruited player, and there were always doubts about him uh, at Pitt and even really going into the NFL. Um, you know, you had to believe in yourself, and you had to, it, it was kind of breaking the mold a little bit, uh, and, and he was able to do that. And I think more and more players of that kind of stature are saying, I can go live in that world in the interior of the defense by using my brawn, but my, also my quickness and strength and leverage, uh, getting, being low man on the totem pole to win those sort of battles, uh, and being a disruptive force. So you look at Byron Murphy and you put on the tape of Byron Murphy, to me, uh, you know, if he's there at 13 and the Raiders aren't dabbling in the, in the quarterback world or, or you know, the offensive line world, that would be a perfect player uh, for this Raiders defense to put him um, over the center, you know, shade the center, play uh, in, in the gaps between the center and the guard, uh, do his thing, eat up double teams, get to the quarterback, make plays behind the line of scrimmage, push the pocket from the interior. Who does that help? That helps a guy by the name of Max Crosby uh, on the outside and vice versa. So um, if you're looking for a defensive lineman, an impact defensive lineman at that 13th pick, look no further than Byron Murphy. Ultimately, I don't think anybody wants to mess with dudes who uh, do their quick training with knives. And so I think if he did that, that intimidation factor is going to be there because I'm terrified of Aaron Donald. And <laughs> that's a, a scary situation if he were to slot uh, alongside Max Crosby for sure. Not real knives. Uh, I have to is warn that what the people. video showed me? I have it's to like warn people. Him and Britney war- Spears, authentic knife work. Ginsu. Uh, have to warn people of that because uh, you don't want the kids going out there and thinking that they could do it. So, uh, so yeah, though, that was a little bit. Of, but, but, you know take away the fact that they weren't real. I mean, still the handwork was incredible in that in that video and that's a guy that just works like no other and he's the type of guy that um, and there, there are certain guys like like this where you know the Rams said see you later come back in OTAs you know whether you're here or not at our facility doesn't matter because whatever he did when he would go home to Pittsburgh um, and there were always videos of, of him putting in the work uh, it didn't matter that he wasn't in Los Angeles or, or in the beginning in St. Louis because he was getting his work in. However, whatever it was that he did, whatever program he was on, it was just spectacular because he would report back to, to the Rams a better player than he was when he left. And when he left, he was a damn good player. So um, if somebody like a Byron Murphy can have that kind of a work ethic, you're, you're going to have a special player. 702-365-9200 is the text line brought to you by the Dollar Loan Center here on Raider Nation Radio. Make sure you text in the word rebel for your chance to win $2,024. Rebels. Rebels. Plural. Rebels. Plural. Rebels. Not singular. Plural. Yep, that's right. Jose, you may want to resend that. Jose, okay. check yourself before you wreck From yourself, the 509, Jose. That should be uh, plural now. Rebels. Um, all right, so when we're talking about smoke, potential fire around Justin Fields, that has brought some several reactions, many of them mixed. On the text line, Stephen from the 707, it makes absolutely zero sense to match Getsy and Fields together in another city after failing in one. And then, just right after that, it says, well, out of any of the teams the Raiders should know the most about Justin Fields, and if so, then do the trade because I'd be fine with it. That's Barry from Baltimore. You know, I, I think you're going to find for everyone that's against it, there's going to be another one that's like, you know what, uh, maybe because. But are we really accept? But uh, I guess, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not is like. Is that what we're going for? Is that I guess? Yeah, it's more that's of like what a, it feels like. It's a toe in the water. I guess it's okay. Well, and, and here's the thing. Um, I feel like I know Tom Telesco well enough that, you know, while the outside might be settling on that, you know, um, you got to understand that the decision makers, they're making decisions that are the antithesis of 
just settling. They don't, they're not going to settle for something like that. He's not going to make a move to settle something. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, so put yourself in Antonio Pierce's shoes and Luke Getz's shoes and, and Tom Telesco's shoes. If that's the direction that they, go, that they, that they do go in, it's going to be because they're convicted about that, not because, oh, we've got to do something at quarterback. We might as well just go get Justin Fields. That's not how uh, that thought process uh, works. So, again, I'm not saying that anything is going to happen. Uh, I am saying that there is a little bit of a smoke, and it seems to be growing a little bit. And we're trying to figure out, okay, why would that be when on the surface it wouldn't appear to be a good fit based on what happened with Luke Getzey and Justin Fields. But if maybe we're, we are looking at it incorrectly, and maybe it's like we were talking about with, with Eddie and a little bit earlier, maybe they, those two feel like, no, that was that part of it was working. It was everything else that was around us that wasn't working. So we go to we uh, have a reunion in Las Vegas with Devontae Adams and Michael Mayer and um, and and you know Jacoby Myers and Trent uh, or Trey Tucker and you know the offensive lineman, which is no you know uh, undoubtedly. And Tom Telesco talked about this going to be addressed, you know, in in the offseason. If if that's what they believe, then then it makes it way more understandable. Or you start a fire to distract away from the fact that you're going to be attacking the flank. So. Oh, there's that too, because uh, that's where I'm, this kind of reads exactly. as, as a smoke screen mm-hmm. to me. And 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 with Telesco speaking yesterday, and they're at Q Myers, fearless leader, asked him what he's looking for in a quarterback, and like all the the words that he chose, the first two I, I think were one of them was leadership, right? And so I just don't think there's a lot of indicators being thrown out there because everybody's going to keep their cards as as close as they can to the best. Yeah, and I wouldn't think that this would be a Raider uh, leak. So, um, you know, if it is a leak, I think it would be more along the Bears trying to drum up support. I don't think mm. the Raiders would would this 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 wouldn't be something from their from their end. And it could also be an agent, you know, uh, that's trying to drum up uh, some support. And I will say this about Justin Fields in terms of the leadership: he 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 grades out really high in that regard. And all you really have to do is look at what he's dealt with in Chicago and how he's dealt with that. Uh, in Chicago to understand he's kept his head up he's never thrown anybody under the bus he's never you know there was that little bit of a you know uh, I, I, I felt like he got um, uh, what he was saying got got a little bit misconstrued he cleaned that up last year about 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 the coaching but by all accounts um, he's very well respected in that locker room he's very well respected in that huddle uh, so the leadership part of it I think I think checks off the box it's the other things you know yeah. that he needs to, I don't right. question his leadership ability I just couldn't remember the other thing that Tom uh, pointed out so we're going to try to find that in the audio I just I, I don't know I don't know about the Justin Fields but it just anything that comes out of anybody's mouth this week I'm like all right sure yeah I mean um I hear you I totally yeah. hear you yeah here's Tom Telesco from yesterday when he talks about scouting the quarterback class you know I'll say this and the way we've always scouted um we scout every position like our roster is empty so just because at the last team we had a quarterback doesn't mean I didn't look at quarterbacks. I mean, we look at everything. You, you never know what's going to happen in this league. So, um, yeah, so I've, I've seen most of them. Um, it's a pretty deep class. The last five or six years, you know, especially skill positions as far as receivers and quarterbacks, they've been very deep classes, and they've been coming in the league and contributing earlier than they used to. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with high school football and summer seven-on-seven. Seven. The fact that teams throw the ball so much more in high school than they used to as well as in college. So we're getting players coming to this level, quarterbacks, receivers, that are really pretty skilled. Um, so I think that's a positive, but I think this year's class is, is relatively deep. I think next year's class is not is, uh, is really early on, but there's 
there could be some depth there as well. Oh, okay, interesting. Another deep class. Another deep class. What it's do you always know? it's always there. The the classes year by year get deeper and deeper at quarterback. It keeps your options open. Uh, Cody in Denver, the man who came up with deadline badger, Brilliant. texting in says, "I wouldn't say trading for Justin Fields would be my first choice, but I could get on board with it. A third round pick that could turn into a second round pick. Eh, the Raiders get to keep their first round pick. They could use it on a defensive tackle or the right tackle. It doesn't sound too bad. Okay, I mean it gives you some other options to look for if you." want to continue to bolster you know the good parts of your team but yeah the Justin Fields stuff is going to be like that uh that very polarizing pick that very polarizing move but then again um you're, you're getting somebody that's that's you know the, you want the devil you know versus the devil you don't know and you you probably know everything you want to know about Justin Fields as it is and does that make you a better team and does that make you stronger at the quarterback position yeah, and as Tom, you know, also pointed out, it's February twenty seventh. There are there's no option that's off the table right now, as it should be. And I know fans want answers like right now, but the Raiders and and, and really honestly everybody else are working through uh, all, all of that. And and the first what what they first need to be able to determine, and we talked about this yesterday, is is there a quarterback in this draft that they feel compelled enough about to give up what it might take to go get them, whether you're talking about number three, which we don't even know if one, two, or three are available. So you might just have to put that off to the side uh, and, and, and end that thought because it's not happening. So then it's about quarterback four. And who is that? Who do you feel is quarterback four? And then when I say who do you, I'm talking about the Raiders. Um, and do you have to move up to go get that quarterback for? And if so, how much? Are you going to be able to find a trade partner? And, and those are decisions that the Raiders are trying to make on their own. But there's other teams that are involved as well, and they're making similar decisions you know, on, on their own behalf. So as much as you want to talk about moving up, which I do think there will be a possibility to do so, um, there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. So if that is all closed off to them, um, you know, trading up to go get the quarterback that they truly prefer in this draft, then they're going to have to again pivot to another to another type plan. So, um, and what would what would that plan be? What would it look like? And to Tom's point, well, at this point, there's nothing off the table. We're going to consider everything. More from Telesco from yesterday on characteristics of quarterbacks. Uh, the, the two for me are probably leadership and toughness. I think you have to start with that. Um, he's got to be somebody that when you're in the huddle, and those ten other pe- those players are looking you in the eyes, that that you can lead that group, and you got to have that. Um, so those are two most important things for me, and then it kind of goes into you know preparation skills for that position is like none other, probably like no other sport in professional sports. So talking about leadership, toughness, preparation skills, and then we get to the physical abilities, then you start having sliding scales for different things because there's there's just there's no perfect players, you have to realize that. Um, but uh, I always start with leadership and toughness, work my way from there. Okay. That's <laughs> there it is. That's all we dance. need then. That's a hell of a tap dance. <laughs> Tom, I like you. Hey, You're I, skilled. I tell you what, then you got to be happy with Aiden O'Connell well, with toughness and leadership. There you go. And the guys displayed it since day one by leadership in the huddle and toughness because we know he's uh, he's somebody that's been battled back and forth to even in Purdue to try to find a spot. But either way. We will find out more about what they're looking for as this uh, little process goes on in the offseason because the quarterbacks have yet to throw. The quarterbacks have yet to interview. <laughs> you know what I mean? So all the stuff that you really need to find, uh, it, it's still just a few days away. And let's not, um, let's not uh, uh, you know, overlook what he also said. The sliding scale starts with the skill. And while 
I think Aiden Connell probably checks off really well with the mental toughness and, and all of that. That's a great starting point, and, and that's like you have to have that, obviously, in Tom Telesco's eyes. But then when you determine who does have that, like I might have that, but I can't go out there and throw the football <laughs> the way you can in the NFL. I might be the most mentally strong guy out there. I might understand every coverage that you could throw at me. I don't really, but I'm saying uh, maybe I did, maybe I do. But I can't play. So it, it, it's, yes, that mental toughness and uh, that leadership, you have to have those. Those are core components of a quarterback that he is seeking. But the other part of it, which is the sliding scale part of it, which is what he has to now determine uh, in this draft class, all right, of those guys that have the mental capacity and the leadership skills, who could actually go play the darn game? All right, Vinny, live in Indianapolis here on Raider Nation Radio, getting you up to date on what the Raiders are thinking and all the news and notes that come from Indy on this week. We will step aside for a quick break because on the other side, Lindsay has report cards. Back on the gate, Clay Baker, Lindsey Brown, Vinny Bonsignor on location in Indianapolis. And yes, the stomachs have dropped. There's nothing like the good old report card day. It's here. Um, it's here. It's loud, and some of it, not so proud. This comes out every year in the offseason where uh, the NFLPA polls players, and they give the grades on things like facilities, on treatment of families, food cafeteria, nutrition, locker room, training room, staff, like a bunch of uh, different things. And I do want to add this caveat before we get into the Raiders' grades because this was conducted when Josh McDaniels was still the head coach. And so some of these results are indicative of that dark time in this uh, organization, including the fact that the head coach was given uh, a letter grade of D, which ranks dead last Mm. in all of head coaches. So clearly things have changed uh, in that effect. Good to note. Yeah, Yeah. good to note, absolutely. But uh, treatment of families is probably one of the more surprising grades that I'm seeing on their overall report card. They were given a C-plus grade for that ranking, 12th out of 32 teams. But in terms of facilities, uh, nutrition, A-minus, locker room, A-minus, Food and cafeteria, B plus. Strength coaches, A minus. Weight room, A plus, A plus. But uh, Vinny, have you had a chance to to take a, a look at this? And are, are you surprised by anything that you see on this report card for your Las Vegas Raiders? I have, and I'm not. Uh, especially knowing the timeline uh, of the vote, it started in August. It ended November 16th, so there was a little bit of a, a of an overlap. But uh, the reality is, most of that voting obviously was done when um, when Josh McDaniels was the head coach, and uh, that grade ranked 32nd among 32 teams. So they were dead last when it came uh, to the head coach uh, vote. And I think if they were to retake that vote. Sometime in December, um, that would flip considerably. Yeah, absolutely. Some of the issues that were raised by players, uh, again, during the Josh McDaniels tenure, poor scheduling slash time efficiency both during the week and while traveling, a need to improve trust and respect uh, for players from the head coach, and a need for a better approach and winning culture. But the, the exact excerpt goes on to say, the hope is that newly head, hired head coach Antonio Pierce will create a better working environment to match the top-of-the-line facilities in Las Vegas. And I think all of us have the utmost confidence that that is going to go down. And we'll see what these results will be a year from now because yeah, I'm expecting it, a lot I mean, better. Well, I mean, they ranked ninth uh, out of 32 teams. So overall, they did tremendous mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the entire league. I think the Washington Commanders were were, were last or, or among the last. And, and 
uh, Arizona Cardinals again uh, continue to pull up the uh, you know uh, pull, pull up the rear. So you don't want to be in that world right there. I think top ten uh, is pretty good with some, and I think if you if you take the D out of the equation, they're probably uh, much higher. Uh, the D being for the for the head coach. So I think if you take that out of the uh, equation, uh, they're they're right among the the best teams in the NFL. By the way, um, and so I don't know if this correlates to, to winning uh, because I think the Chiefs were 30th. <laughs> so uh, go figure. Uh, they, they ranked pretty low in a lot of different categories, So, um, but they're the ones that were hoisting the Vince Lombardi trophy the last I saw. Also, the Chargers uh, getting some ire because uh, there's some certain game day things that, uh, you know, you kind of think about, all right, what's it like for player treatments with people who have children? Uh, You know, and apparently the Chargers are charging players $75 for one child in game day daycare, 50 for each additional child, and those are off-site. Well, Uh, it's off-site during the week. I think game day they have the room, but in terms of the the week of, it's off-site. So you're still charging them. Uh, you know, a minimum. Which not a fee. lot of people do. Yes, because if, I mean, if it was over like uh, you know, five hundred bucks, I could see already charging. But if it's still like under a hundred dollars, and you got to charge for daycare, which is still a steal and a half, uh, considering what daycare prices are. Well, these yeah, days. I mean, it's a, it's a total steal. Sorry if I'm not feeling it from the player's perspective on that, because they're getting off pretty easy when it comes to daycare. If that's the actual price that they're charging yeah just saying i think it was the inconvenience part of it that they had an issue of it but you know what that's life inconvenience is life right and and we do have to you know uh, some players you know were were players for a different team and and their teams handled things a little bit differently sometimes but you know when it comes to daycare i i didn't i never got a break on daycare i'll tell you that right now i know you didn't um no no you know and so i know that that's probably a nice little perk to give you know uh your players and, and their families um uh, but that's a perk that should be um everywhere not just in, in professional football so that's one of those ones where if you're griping about that um Free child care says vin dog yes Vinny! yes yeah so if you're if you're griping about that um yes. I would think maybe you need to step out of the uh, NFL environment that you're in and get out there with the rest of us and yeah, understand great with how, America. Great, and understand how, how good you really do have it. But if you're Philip Rivers with 17 children, I mean, that's these true. are these are astronomical numbers. You know, maybe that's maybe it's because of Philip Rivers ruined it for everybody with the Chargers. <laughs> They're like, hey, man, no one can afford this. We gotta step. <laughs> we gotta step aside. All right, we gotta come back. Marcus Johnson, who joins us next from Tape Don't Lie, will uncover some information about the draft prospects at the NFL Combine as Vinny is live in Indianapolis. Lindsey and Clay back here in Las Vegas. Let's go.